are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Title of my message this morning is Any Dead Fish Can Float Downstream. I had a high school teacher, and this was his favorite saying, and he would always tell us in, in band class that, come on, guys, work harder. Any dead fish can float downstream. And he would, he would crack that into us. Come on, like, don't settle for average. Go for the gold. Go for, go for what you know is right. So the lesson in this is, is we as people, me as a student, as a high school student, just don't settle, but go for what you want to go for. See, this, this week the Lord has placed a scripture upon my heart, and I want to really take a, a, a look, and, and we're going to break down this scripture this morning. And it's about a guy who had a couple things against him. First of all, he was blind, and second of all, he was a beggar. And back in the day, that was a bad combo. His name was Blind Bartimaeus. And Blind Bartimaeus, you can see, he would, he would sit in his place that he sat Week after week after week, and he would hold his hands out, and the people knew him. And he just, his whole life was dependent upon the mercy of people, that maybe somebody will, will give me a coin. Maybe today I will eat, but I'm sure there are many days that he did not eat. We're going to read about that story this morning, and if you have your Bibles, you could follow along with me in Mark chapter 10. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for this man could see. And he followed Jesus down the road. This is an amazing story. And you know what? We can learn so much by this event that happened really in a matter of seconds. This little thing here can change the way that we as believers think and perceive life. The first thing I see this morning is blind Bartimaeus went for it. Have you ever wanted something really, really bad? Have you ever had that desire in your heart just to, you know what, this is what I desire. This is what I, this is what I long for. You know, we, we've been going through different, um, in this Crest Leadership course I'm taking, we've been going through different goals and different dreams. And you know what, one of the, one of the things that I was in prayer and just kind of saying, you know, Lord, I know, um, I know, Lord, that first you said get the church ready in Cold Lake, and then the next step would be missions. And I know we're going to be going to Sri Lanka to visit uh, Nish and, and Kristen and to be able to work alongside of them. But as I was in this, a meeting one time, I, I started to pray. And um, the speaker says, you know what, God has got a call on your life to be able to go overseas and, and to be able to do that. And immediately I started to think about Sri Lanka, and, and the Lord put on my heart Cambodia. And I don't know if you know the story, but our, our worship pastor, he's at YC right now with, with the kids, and, and uh, 
but he went to y he, he went to Sri Lanka with his band Blue Tree, and they uh, Cambodia. Thank you. They went to Cambodia, and when they went over to Cambodia, they did a documentary on the sex slave industry there. And it, it when when Ernie came back, it literally broke his heart, because he's like, you know what? He started doing this Sunday school type of thing. He's worked with all these little girls and all these little boys, and he knew that when he said goodbye to them, that they would go out and sell themselves that night. And as a, as a people, it's hard for us to be able to understand that. And at that very moment, the, the guy was just saying that, and out of nowhere, Cambodia hit my heart, and I started weeping for Cambodia. God, how can this happen to these little kids? Lord, if you would like, God, open up a door for me, for us to be able to go and to be able to serve and to be able to love on, because that is what religion is about. It's not about rules. It's not about, it's not about stuff. It's about relationship with Christ. It's about walking in that place of seeing the Lord activated in a world that is so desperate for Jesus. This world, Cold Lake, our, our, our whole nation is, is, is so hungry and desperate for Jesus. Have you ever wanted something so bad? That's who we are. And we get up and we pray and we just say, Lord, would you just grant me the desires of my heart because the desires of my heart line up with what you're speaking, the desires of your heart. I know in the natural there's things in life that I've wanted. I remember when um, Cindy and I first got married. Uh, it was our very first Christmas together. And Cindy says to me, she says, uh, honey, what would you like for Christmas? I said, I know exactly what I want for Christmas. I want a Nintendo 64. Oh, ha, ha. you know, this is going to be awesome. We can play Mario Party. We can get play Mario Kart. Like, this is what I need. I need, I need a Nintendo 64. Okay. And she told me what she wants, and Christmas morning comes, and she opens up her gift, and she's like, yeah, I got the, yeah, yeah. And then I see my box sitting there with a the Nintendo 64 in it. I'm so excited. Finally got my gift, and I open it up, and, and I look in it, and it's a pair of skates. And for those who know me, I don't skate. Like, I can't skate. I, I don't even like skating. It's like, hey, pastor, what do you say we go down the pond and go skating? What do you say we go to the dentist? Like, you know, like, let, let's make this more fun. So I'm like, skates? Why, why would you get me skates? She goes, well, I, I just thought that you're a youth pastor, and you know, you, the kids, you might want to go skating with the kids, and, and maybe you and I one day can hold hands and go to a pond and skate around the pond. I'm like, that sounds amazing. And I, and I put those skates in the garage, and they've never been seen since. So the next year comes up, and she says, uh, honey, what do, you, what do you want for Christmas? I said, oh, honey, I... I want a Nintendo 64. She says, uh, okay. So Christmas comes, I see the box and get all excited and I get ready and I open up the box and inside the box is two dress shirts. Two very nice dress shirts. And I said, what is this? She goes, it's dress shirts. She says, as a youth pastor, you should probably start to look good. And you know what, I thought you'd like a, a dress shirt, and they're two very nice dress shirts. I'm like, well, what about my Nintendo 64? She goes, you're serious about that? I'm like, yes, I've been serious for two years. <laughs> Christmas year three comes. What would you like for Christmas? I said, that I want the same thing I wanted for the last three years now. She says, okay. So Christmas comes, and I open it up, 
And guess what? It wasn't a Nintendo 64, so on Boxing Day, I went out and bought my own. Have you ever wanted something so bad? My friends, when we have that heart desire for God, and we're like, Lord, I don't care what the cost is, I want you. God, I want to, uh, I want to walk in intimacy. That song that we were singing today, uh, that last song, I want to know you more. What a, what a great song. You know what, Lord, I want, to, I want to know your heart, God. I want to know what your passion is, Lord. See, that's where we need to be. We need to be walking in that place where, where Sunday, Sunday can't just be a refuge where we come and we're just like, okay, I, want, I hope they play my favorite song so I can worship the Lord. I hope he does a good sermon this week. I hope this happens because we're going we're gonna to run short. We have to have that relationship with God from Monday to Saturday, and then Sunday is the ramp up that when we come in, it's just like, poof, take off. That's what our heart is. That's what God is calling us to. What's your set, setbacks? You know what, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, you know, I'm getting up in years, and I just don't know if the Lord can fulfill the promises that he's put into my heart when I was a little kid. It's, you know, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm 70 years old, I'm 80 years old, and it hasn't happened yet, so it's not going to happen now. I want you to know that's hogwash. In fact, let's take a look, and we're going to sort of deviate just for a quick second here at Moses. Do you know Moses had a dream of delivering people? Moses had a heart to be able to, to, be able to step in that place and be a deliverer, to be able to see his people. In fact, he was so passionate about the Israelites that he went and he saw his Israelite brothers being mistreated by an Egyptian whom he was royalty on, and Moses got in a fight and killed the Egyptian because he was hurting an, an, an Israelite. But then that caused Moses to have to run and hide, and he spent 40 years in the back end of the desert. Imagine that, 40 years, you have a call on your life to be a deliverer. you got a call on your life to be a king, to be able to lead people, and you lead sheep for 40 years. And I'm sure Moses woke up and just kind of like, what is going on? I missed it. Perhaps, perhaps um, he became impatient. Perhaps he became even bitter. Maybe he walked in that place and said, you know what, I just, I just missed the mark. Then one day, turn to your neighbor and say, one day, one day, Moses woke up and did the ordinary thing that he did every single day, but that one day, the Lord met Moses in the burning bush and it changed his life forever. My friends, the Lord has got burning bush moments for us in this room, encounters that he is establishing and setting up, and you may wake up one day and think it's just an ordinary day. You may wake up one day and just think, you know what, things aren't going very well for me right now. But God is bigger. And God is able when we stand in that place and say, Lord, I trust you, God, with absolutely everything. Bartimaeus was a blind man. How did he know that Jesus healed? See, so many times we see, in fact, the, the word says in John 4, 48, unless you, you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you'll never believe. People want to see things. Man, I think that's so much our culture today. Don't just tell me what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't have the value that it had one, at one time. People want to experience the Lord. 
And do you think the Lord is like, you know what, I'm not going to show people who I am. The Bible says, knock and you'll find. Seek, seek and you'll find me. Knock and the door will be open. Walk in that place. Trust in God. And I know there's some, there's some stories in this room. I know there's people that we've been praying for and we haven't had the breakthrough yet. That breakthrough, don't give up, it's coming because God's ordained it. But here's blind Bartimaeus. He can't, he can't see the signs. He can't see the wonders. He's blind. He's a beggar. He doesn't know how, he can't get around. He knows how to go from his place where he stays to the, the spot where he begs. And he walks in that place and that's what he does day after day after day. But I imagine one day he heard people talking. Oh, man. I just, I just saw this Jesus guy. He raised people from the dead. It's like, what? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I, I saw this, this, this blind Bartimaeus. And you know what I saw? I saw limbs grow. Whoa. I wonder. I wonder if this Jesus is the answer. I wonder if this Jesus can touch my sight. And then one day, one day he heard someone say, I saw Jesus touch a blind man and he got his sight back. Then all of a sudden it's like, that's the answer. Jesus is the answer. And he had this stirring and this hunger for Jesus. But how could he find him? How could he go to him? Where is Jesus? How can he get there? But then one day, an average day, he's sitting there in his spot when he hears Jesus is coming down the road. So what does he do? He starts to shout, Jesus, son of, Mer son of David, have mercy on me. And the people they start to get perturbed with them. Be quiet. You're not being respectful. Be quiet. We're trying to hear what he's got to say. Be quiet. Just, you're nothing. You're not important. You don't have value. Go. You know what? You're supposed to be like that fly on the wall, but now you're becoming an annoyance to me. And what does blind Bartimaeus do? He shouts even louder. My friends, there's times when we have to shout even louder. Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. I need a touch, Lord. I need to see you, God. I need to meet with you today, God. And it doesn't matter what our friends, what our spouses, what our parents speak to us. The truth of the matter is, is if we need a touch from God, sometimes people will say, no, 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 don't go that way. Don't do that. Just be quiet. Just blend in. Just fit. And the Lord's like, no, I got an encounter for you, and it's yours if you want it. There's power in testimony. Testimony is so important. Has Jesus ever touched you? Then let the world know it. Don't be quiet, saints. Rise up and share. How many people just by a raise of hand have ever had a healing touch in this room by the Lord? Let me just see. My God, I would say that's three quarters of the room. Don't be silent about it. Because the truth of the matter is, is there may be somebody in this room at this moment who's going through the exact same thing and they just need a little bit of boost of faith. 
Faith is important. Faith, faith comes by what? By hearing. So if we're silent, what happens to faith? It crumbles. But when we hear those testimonies, when we read the word and we hear what the Lord's trying to say to us, it builds up faith. In fact, faith is so, so important that we take a look at Jesus and Jesus, when he, when he met the centurion, he's like, whoa, this guy's got faith. Never have I seen so much faith in all the land. We have to be careful with faith too. Faith is important. But you know what? We need to walk in that place and just say, God, I want what you want for me. And you know what? Sometimes there's healing. And as we can see, three quarters of the people put, put up their hand. But then you take a look at Paul. And Paul, we have no idea why or, or what. A lot of people think that Paul had some, a sickness in his eyes. And he prayed three, time, three times, Lord, would you heal me from this? And the Lord says, no, I'm going to use this. I need to keep you humble, Paul. I'm not going to give you your prayer request. Because sometimes we blame ourselves and like, you know what, maybe I didn't have enough faith. Maybe I'm not spiritual enough to receive what God wants from me. It's not about you. It's about him. And we walk in that place and just say, God, I trust you. And Lord, I want what you want. And God, I eagerly desire this. And God, I'm going to keep knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking and knocking. Because Lord, I know you love me and I know you want to touch me. Amen? Amen. So testimonies are so important. Next week we're taking up, and Pastor Hayward shared about it, an annual offering for our future development. It happens once a year. And as a family, we need to be praying and saying, Father, how would you have me participate in this? It can be tough when it's labeled future development. For where's the buy-in? You know what, why, why should I invest in this future development? There's not even a plan. You know what, give me the plan and then I'll invest in it. But it's really important for us to be able to come alongside and say, God, I want to do what you want to do. And I'm going to ask Cindy to come up here and share what this future development is and why healing is important here in Cold Lake. Awesome. Lance asked me to uh, share a little bit about God Encounter Ministry, but first of all, I just want to say, like, they were the kind of shirts that other pastors would look at and say, why doesn't my wife buy me shirts like that? <laughs> just kidding. All right. Um, well, how, uh, what we call it is God Encounter Ministry because all it basically is is helping people to encounter God's presence. So that doesn't have a specific criteria. It doesn't mean you have to be a visual person or, um, you know, it has to look a certain way because God is who he is, and he has this awesome language, but he's so smart, he can speak everybody else's language, you know. And he's not uh, bound by culture or by ethnic uh appearance or how you sound or your education, that doesn't limit his ability to meet you. What happens quite often is our ability to meet him can get tripped up or stuck because of either lies we've been believing or a stronghold that could be in our life. And so what God Encounter Ministry is, there's kind of two sides. One is that help people who are just kind of a little bit stuck to kind of figure out why is that? remove that problem, and boom, it's easy. It's like, oh, now I can hear him better. Now I can feel his presence better. And the other side of it 
is basically there's a whole bunch of people in our church and out of our church who have these hurts and these wounds. And they've been carrying them forever, so long that it just feels normal. And then all of a sudden it comes to the surface and they don't know how to deal with that. And it's a very struggling place when you feel like, well, I, I believe in God, I am a Christian, but yet I have this overwhelming sense of sadness or depression or um, being stuck in their life, not able to move forward. So, uh, you know, that scripture in Matthew 12, 20 says, he will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious. Um, and Psalms 147.3 says, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. And that is so much what this ministry is. You know, Lance and I, uh, my mom and dad would probably say the same thing, that as pastors, when people come up with really um, intense uh, struggles and you pray a little prayer over them, you just feel so inadequate. You feel like, you know, was that even anything? And traditionally, the way we've done ministry has been people would come for prayer, we'd hear their story, and we'd pray for them. And that is effective to a place, but how much more powerful when they can meet with the Lord themselves, when they can feel like, he told me this, he showed me this, I understand why this happened. And so when that happens, they walk away not going, wow, Pastor Lance and Cindy are so awesome. And the next time I have a problem, I've got to get to them because they're really smart. They leave saying, God is so smart. He knew exactly. I didn't even know what I needed, and he knew. Um, people have been delivered uh, from all kinds of things. You know, we don't want to, we never share specifically without people's permission because there is a confidentiality and, and, you know, nobody wants their stuff out there, right? So we never uh, say, you know, this happened this week and this happened that week. But I can generally speak uh, these type of things have happened. All kinds of uh, deliverance from traumas, from physical abuse, sexual abuse. Uh, we've seen lots of healings of grief when someone has lost a child. That is probably the most heartbreaking ministry times I've ever been in. Worse than people who have suffered abuse. The grief of losing someone, and I just think it just shows me so much why God is all about reconciliation. You know, his plan was never that we would be separated from people we love. And he really ministers to people when they go through those times of grief. Um, We've seen people completely, 100% delivered from pornography addiction, men and women, and um, obviously lies that people have been believing, depression, you know, the list goes on. There's been so many times where I just walk away from these kind of ministry times and just am in awe of how brilliant God is. Because so many times people sit down and they say, they, they know exactly what they want, right? They sit down and they, I want this. I want to be delivered of this. I want this fixed. But God is like, I know what you want too, but I also know what you need. And he always goes right to the smart place and figures that out. Um, the countenance on people's faces is just amazing. To see someone come in who is, like, angry or their emotional 
um, their emotions are just running their life. And to see that sense of calm that comes over them, people who feel uh, anxiety is through the roof and they just leave, you know, peaceful, it's, it's the biggest reward to see that. For the first year and a half, I kept track of how, who we were meeting with, how many people a week and that type of thing. And at a year and a half into it, we had met with over 200 people. 200 different people, and a lot of them were going, coming back for ongoing sessions. Sometimes people just come once or twice, and they have a little breakthrough, and that's wonderful. Sometimes it needs to be ongoing, and we've had people who we've met with over a year or two. Um, we've had about 20 people from out of town come to Cold Lake just for God Encounter Ministry, and they will often just come in for the day. They'll drive, one person drove seven hours to come here because they had heard about it from somewhere else. And they will come in for the day, have maybe one or two sessions, or they may stay overnight in a hotel and do some sessions one day and some the next and then leave town. And um, apparently there's just nothing available locally for people. We've had them come from Saskatchewan, um, around Edmonton, down south around Calgary. And it's just really, really sad that people are having that sense of, I need healing, but it's not available where I am. And I'm not saying that, you know, this ministry is the only way or anything, but I'm saying that if we're going to be a healthy church, we need to be able to deal with people's hurts and their wounds, and that's what pastoring is, right? Um we currently have, <laughs> we have a waiting list right now for out-of-town people because that takes more time uh, to facilitate. People are hearing about the freedom of others, and of course, then they refer. I had one girl who came, and um, she said, called me back about three days later, and she said, I was wondering, she said, how many people are you allowed to tell to come there? And I said, well, we're not really kind of like promoting it. She goes, because I know 20 people. And I'm like, we can't do 20 right now. <laughs> but, you know, that's just what happens. When people hear about freedom, they're like, I know somebody who need, needs that. Even sitting here, I would imagine there's people in this room who are like, I need that. And you probably, for everyone here, can think of someone else who needs freedom as well. So, no, we haven't done any advertising. We don't really talk about it a lot in church because we are so short of facilitators. And a lot of times what we see in other ministries is the same thing here. I help people get trained up. They do it for a while, and then they move on. And uh, it seems to be a lot of people are open to being a helper in there, and a helper would be an intercessor, and they kind of take notes. We always give the person their notes to take home with them. We don't keep their information but so we have lots of people who are comfortable with that part, but there's not a lot of people who are really comfortable with the facilitating part. And uh, we're so, we are um, unable to accommodate or advertise. I've got three churches who want us to come out and teach them how to do it in their church, which I would love to do that. But again, um, you know, there's time and manpower and all that stuff. We've ministered to other leaders from other churches. We've had other pastors come in from other churches. And um, just, you know, it's just really honoring to me, whether it's, you know, a top person from our district 
or somebody who doesn't even know God. To me, to see to sit across from someone and to know how much God loves them and how much he wants to heal their heart, it's very humbling to me that I get to be there. I just think that God is, um, you know, he doesn't trust his most precious gift with, with just anyone. So he's going to, as we raise up a healing center that authentically loves people, really loves them and ministers from that pure heart of love, then he's going to trust us with more and more and more because he'll lead people to that kind of a place. So the needs that we have to move ahead are obviously facilitators desperately needing them, especially men. Anytime we have uh, guys who need ministry, I'm always, uh, Lance and I usually do that together. And um, he does great, but we could use about, you know, three or four more guys. Um, for that, uh, for guys or for girls to be a facilitator in this ministry, you have to have an intimate relationship with God. Uh, you have to be a person of integrity and good standing in the church, and the rest can be taught. It's so easy. Um, the sound and the space in this building aren't really ideal for this kind of ministry because you need a quiet place, you know, without distraction. Because when somebody's trying to, um, you know, quite often, <laughs> you know, with the the way the rooms are done on this side, quite often we'd be in that little room and, um, you know, somebody's just, you know, God's kind of processing with them. Maybe a point in their life where they were suicidal or a, a point in their life where something horrible happened and all of a sudden we can hear outside the door or in the back room someone's grabbing a ladder or someone's like, ha, 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 that's hilarious. And it's like, okay, this is the most inappropriate time to hear this. But, you know, God's God. He does, he can work through that. But ideally, it's not a perfect situation. This church is so busy to try and find a time when the church is quiet is almost impossible, which is a good thing because we want to use the building we have. But it is challenging for, uh, to grow and increase that ministry. I'm just speaking on the part of God Encounter Ministry. I know Healing Rooms, um, you know, has been shut down maybe for a time or whatever, but that's another part of healing. We're also talking about how we're an equipping center. Quite often we'll run those things like um, prayer training, uh, marriage workshops, you know, parenting things. Those are all equipping things which have to do with uh, a future facility as well, but that's not my area. Um, also, we need intercessors as well just to pray through actual sessions, and also to say, God, we so desire a release of the fullness of what this looks like. I mean, really, right now, we are a healing center. This, this place has got that open heaven. This place has people who have the Holy Spirit, who are ministering healing to people, absolutely. But this isn't what God planned for Cold Lake. This is a step. And we just need people to call out to God and say, God, what's the fullness of this look like? And um, Amy uh, Wingert has been uh, one of the main people who've been helping me in the last year or so. And Amy's been training with me, and she's had some um, God encounters herself. So I asked her if she would share a little bit of maybe what she thinks the fruit of this ministry looks like. Yes, I've had quite a few God encounters myself, and I really 
I can't stress enough how much they have benefited my life. Oh, sorry. <laughs> For example, this past month, God has really been bringing forward something that I personally need to deal with, but I couldn't. I just couldn't do it on my own. It kept coming up. It was so at the surface that I was constantly in tears because I couldn't deal with it. So I talked to Cindy, and I was like, Cindy, I, I, need, I need help. So I had a God encounter, and he encountered me, and it was so beautiful. He helped me deal with what I need to deal with. It healed me. I was able to process it and go on. And I didn't realize how much it was hindering my walk with him because I had something in my heart that I couldn't release. So it was a part of my heart that I hadn't given to the Lord. It was kept hidden. But now it's open, it's processed, and, it's and now it belongs to him. And I can hear him so much more clearly. I can feel him more clearly. It's just, it's benefited me so much. And this is just one of several times that I've had. So it's, it's I, I recommend it. <laughs> it is beautiful and such a help. Oh, I've seen people come in and been like, I can't hear God. I'm so, you know, stressed and anxious. And they've been able to encounter him beautifully and hear his voice sometimes for the first time. So that is an amazing thing to see and to watch that people can connect and get their freedom. It's freedom in connecting with the Lord. Amen. What's holding you back? We sang this morning, rooftop. Shout it from the rooftops. Amen. We need Jesus. Be specific. Walk in that place and say, God, I need you for this moment, for this time. The second thing we see from this scripture is that Jesus stopped. So Bartimaeus is screaming out. The people are hushing him. He became an annoyance, but I love verse 49. When Jesus heard him, he stopped. See, we live in a busy world, don't we? Man, we're just so busy. We're just, I, I, I just, I'm always blown away because I, I remember when I was a little kid that when you would say to people, how are you doing? Everybody would say, I'm good. And they could be dying, and you say, how are you doing? And it's like, I'm good. I'm good. Everything's good. And it's kind of like, wow. But that's changed now. I don't know if you've noticed that. But whenever you say, how are you doing? It's like, I'm busy. Oh, man, I'm busy. I'm so busy. I got this going on, this going on, this going on. And it's just like, man, it's just changed. It, we live in a world of busyness. And I don't know if it's a validation that's kind of like, hey, listen, uh, when people ask me how I'm doing, I better say busy because they'll think I'm a pastor and I only work on Sundays. So I better tell them I'm busy and that way they know I'm busy. Or whether it's just kind of like a, a thing that, hey, we are so busy right now that, that it just keeps us hopping. It's just like, man, it just, if, if it would just slow down, It'd be all right. Spontaneity is the underappreciated dimension of spirituality. In fact, spiritual maturity has less to do with long-range visions than it does with moment-by-moment -moment surrender to the sensitivity of the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And it is our moment-by-moment -moment sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that turns life into an everyday adventure. There's something about stopping, about slowing down, about looking for opportunities that the Lord places right underneath of our feet. You know, I'm always reminded about that scripture, about the Good Samaritan. And I say, God, in that story, who am I? Lord, am I the Pharisee? 
that sees the person hurt on the side of the road, but I walk the other side of the road because I just don't have time? Or, Father, am I the guy that's just like, you know what? I'm going to put him up in a hotel. I'm going to look after him. And I'm going to do whatever it takes until he gets better. Who are you? I was in Mr. Sub last week, and I know that's a surprise for many here. That's a good place, that Mr. Sub. Man. So I was in Mr. Sub, and um, I was having lunch with one of the young men of the church. And um, this guy came in, and he was drunk out of his skull. And when he came in, he started really pestering people. And as ladies came in, he started catcalling them and, and, and just being very inappropriate. So what the whole restaurant did is it kind of got into panic mode. It just kind of like, like, if I don't look at him, maybe he won't talk to me. And if I just kind of ignore him, maybe he'll just go away. And I'm, I'm looking around, I'm watching, I'm watching the fear on everybody. I'm like, this is weird. Because it's awkward. You're in a public restaurant, and this guy is like, hey, honey, what do you say you and I go out behind the dumpster there? It's like, what are you doing, man? So I, I said to him, I said, hey, bud. And everyone looks at me like, what are you doing? Just, just be quiet. Don't say anything. I said, hey, come sit with me. He goes, you want me to sit with you? I'm like, yeah, yeah, come sit with me. So he sits down. I'm like, how are you doing? Ah, oh, I'm busy. <laughs> I said, um, you're causing a lot of noise in here, man. What are you doing? He said, ah, just having fun with people. I said, you know what? People not, may not see it that way. I said, I don't want to see you get into trouble. Every single one of these people in this room has a phone, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that you're getting close to somebody calling the police. Well, I don't want that. In fact, he came in, and when he came into the restaurant, the very first thing he did is he pulls out his fingers and goes, this is a sick up, everybody, don't move. And, and, and um, he says, I don't want to do that. I just, I just got out of jail for armed robbery. I said, really? I said, well, why are you doing this? And then he just started to cry. I said, you know what? God's got a plan for you. And it's not to be in this drunken stupor right now making fun of people and going back to the joint. That's not what God has for you. And he's like, I'm an alcoholic and I can't get free. And right in Mr. Sub, I prayed for him. And all of a sudden, people just sort of calm down and, and this kind of a thing. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, who knows? This guy could have been, he could have been crazy. Could have grabbed a knife. He could have stuck me with it. Maybe he had a gun. Who knows? I don't know this guy. But I'm like, I don't want to be silent. And maybe, just maybe, God is going to use this, and all of a sudden this guy in the middle of Mr. Sub, packed out with a line, is bawling at the table, saying, I'm an alcoholic and I can't get free. Then he reaches into his pocket. He pulls out a bunch of money. He says, you know what? Is this enough money for me to buy a sub? I said, yeah. I said, what would you like? I'll go get your sub. He goes, I want you to buy me a sub. I said, no, you got money in your hand. He goes, yeah, but that's money for my smokes. I said, well, today you're going to have to make a choice. 
you want to smoke tonight or do you want to have a fit full belly? It's up to you. You see, God gives us opportunities to be able to love unto people and to be able to speak into people. But yet we have to stop and we have to look around. How many people in this room are dads? See if you're a dad. Dads, now, this may be stereotyping, okay? And, and I understand. But typically, the dads are the workers, and we're the providers, typically. Not, not always. But I remember in Calgary, when, when Cindy was a stay-home mom, and she had Lucas and Mackenzie. And I was doing the youth pastor thing, and, and um, I remember one day trying to get to church or trying to get to something with Mackenzie and she was probably two, and she's running off, and she starts picking flowers. And I'm just like, Mackenzie, we got to go. And she's like, just, just a sec, Dad. Boom. Oh, look, I picked you a daisy or a, a dandelion. It's just like, it's a weed. I don't want it. You know what? There's more. It's like, we got to go. But let me ask you a question this morning. How many people in this room, actually, help me out for a second. If you have older kids who are growing up now, would you stand on your feet? Okay, now, now watch this. Because we have a lot of people in this church who have young kids, young family, right? And we live in a world of busyness. Parents who have older kids, if there's times where you wish, man, I wish I could go back to that stage again. I wish I could have that moment back again. Would you sit down? That's cool, that's cool, that's cool. But did you notice 95%? 99%? Let's learn from that, parents, that if we're so busy all the time, we're going to miss out. And you know what, there are times where it's kind of like, you know, people say that to you, like, oh, man, your children are so going to grow up so fast. It's like, well, they're not today. You know, like, I wish I had a time machine. I could skip ahead a couple of years because this is really an annoying season. Parents, enjoy it. Smell the flowers. Call the office and say, you know what, I'm going to be a little bit late. We're picking daisies right now. She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. There, let's go. <laughs> but walk in that place and just say, God, are there opportunities that you are placing right before me today? I believe that every day God gives us opportunities. Whether we see them or not, who knows? The last thing this morning. is blind Bartimaeus was decisive. So Jesus stops and hears Bartimaeus, cries and asks the question, what do you want from me? Would the worship team come? It's pretty obvious. But Jesus still asked that question, what do you want from me? Why did he do that? Jesus is kind of like a, a bit of a mystery man, isn't he? He'd, he'd never healed people the same way twice. He spit in mud and shoved it on guys' eyes. I wondered, 
Could that offend one of us here today? But the truth is, is you're healed, who cares? You can do whatever you want. If you're going to heal my sight, and that was, that was another blind man, if you're going to heal my sight, then God, do whatever you want to do. So sitting in that place and, and blind Bartimaeus comes up before Jesus. Jesus looks at him and he says, what do, you want, what do you want from me? What can I do for you? My friends, if you understand that Jesus is alive and that Jesus walks in relationship with you today, then why is it that we think that people who see angels or have experiences with God are wackos? And if Jesus wants to have relationship with you, and if Jesus is real, at this very moment, if he was to walk up to you face to face and say, Ashley, what do you want me to do for you today? Would you know what to say? Or would you be like, I have no idea. My people perish because of lack of vision. It's important to write the vision down. It's important to know who you are as a believer and to know what you're seeking and, 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 and uh, what you're believing the Lord for. This week in your bulletin, if you've got a program, hold your program up this, this morning. You've got a program. All right, let me see here. Can I, can I just steal yours for a second? I'll give it back, I promise. You don't, you know where I live, okay? Mr. Sub. <laughs> On the inside of your program this week, you're going to see a little section in there called notes. And I asked Natalie to put that in there this week because you know what? As the worship team starts to play this morning, I want to do things a little bit differently. And maybe you don't have a program and maybe you just got a, something in your purse. Maybe you don't have a pen while well, there's a pen right in front of you on the chairs. But I want you, as the worship team is playing this morning, to take a few minutes and say, Jesus, if I was to meet you face-to-face -face right now, what would I ask you? And I want you to write it down. And then I want you to take your program and I want you to take it home and put it someplace where this week, every single day, you're like, Jesus, this is what I'm praying for. I did this little exercise myself because I said, you know what? As the Lord put this scripture on my heart, Jesus says, if I was to meet you face to face, what would you, do? what would you ask today? I'm like, wow, that's a tough question. And I prayed about it. And I thought about it. And I'm like, you know what, Lord? I don't know if I should tell you what, I, what the Lord showed me or what I'm asking for because I don't want to sway you into writing down something similar to mine. So I won't. But take a few moments as the worship team plays. Close your eyes. Just say, Jesus, if you were to ask me that question today, face to face, what do you want from me? What's in my heart? What is my desire? Because, Lord, I want to pray about this and I want to seek your face on this. For blind Bartimaeus, it was easy. I'm blind. I want to be healed. Maybe you got sickness in your body. You want to be healed. Maybe you've got a friend or a family member who's in trouble right now and you want them healed. Maybe you just need direction. 
you want to just be a good dad or a good mom? It's just like, Lord, I'm really I'm struggling with my kids. And Lord, I just I need wisdom to be able to, to speak into their lives. Maybe it's just like, Lord, I want to be a man or a woman of integrity. And it's difficult in the field that I'm in because so many people cut corners. But God, as for my company, Lord, I want to walk in integrity. What do you want from me? And then once you have that, you can write it down. Take it home, stick it on your fridge, stick it on your mirror, and take a whole week and just say, God, this is what I'm praying about this week, Lord. And as the worship team goes, I'm just going to ask the, the board members and their wives, if they could come on up to the front. We just want to pray with you. If you're in that place and you're just like, you know what? If I'm true with myself, I'm as blind as Bartimaeus. There's something that I want to go for, but I've just been chicken. I just haven't been able to really seek the Lord and say, God, I want to be bold. I don't want to step into that place that you're calling. Or maybe you're like, you know what? It is just so stinking busy that I need to stop. And I need to say, Lord, would you help me to be able to look around me? Would you teach me? Would you mentor me in that, God? Or maybe you're here and you're just like, you know what, Lord? I want to be able to know specifically what I'd ask you for. We're going to worship the Lord for a few moments, but the service is dismissed. Be free to go. Thanks for coming. Don't forget, next week is baptism. Let's come on out and celebrate what the Lord is doing in people's lives. God bless. I want to pray for you. Hey, bro. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.